0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Uh, So I'm going to be sharing some thoughts from God's Word this morning, but before I do, I need to give you an apology. You see, you may be aware that whenever a pastor fills away, we have a number of different people that sometimes share on stage. And in a conversation I had with another member of the church family recently who has asked to remain anonymous. They informed me that one of those other people is quote, easier on the eye than me, but that I'm funnier than them. So hopefully the audio content will make up for anything that's lacking visually. I'll be down with the prayer team at the end praying for my bruised ego. I'm not going to name any names as to who may be the the better-looking person. That can be a fun guess-who game for you if you get bored during the message. (laughs) But what I will say is that I've been paid by the BBC for writing comedy, whereas I'm not aware of anyone being paid for any modeling gigs, so there's that. (laughs) We've just come out of the Christmas season, and a big part of Christmas is all the traditions that go along with it. And within our eight, it's sort of tradition now that I speak on the, the Sunday after Christmas. It's also tradition within church services to hold a service on New Year's Eve, sort of in that lean up into midnight to transition into the new year, seeing in the new year with prayer and worship. And I did try to point out to Pastor Phil before he went away on his big skiing holiday that usually those services start a little closer to midnight, but he assured me that everyone would be fine if we just went along with the message. So I hope you've got some snacks with you. Uh, don't worry, the message isn't going to be that long. I've definitely got less points than Dylan's had fancy meals out while saving for his new house. Okay, that probably doesn't help you narrow it down at all. Let me try again. I've got more points than Porter Down had Boxing Day goals. <laughs> probably closer to somewhere around the number of goals that Anakin United got. Sorry, Joe. So, this is New Year's Eve, and perhaps you've been reflecting on... The year that's strong to a close or maybe you've begun to think about the year ahead i'm taking new year new me very seriously this year to the extent that i'm actually starting a new job on the 2nd of january and in our time together i want to spend some time thinking about the steps that we can take as we approach a new year to ensure that we start the new year strong because i'm not interested in surface level resolutions this year not interested in things about eating healthier, exercising more, even resolutions about reading the Bible more often. You see, I want to go straight to the heart this morning. I want to explore what it might look like if we resolve to stop making excuses and to surrender fully to Jesus. I want to encourage you as we stand at the cusp of a new year to go all in with Jesus and hold nothing back. I don't know what your approach to entering swimming pools is, I have a very per-cold tolerance when it comes to water. I prefer my swimming pools to be heated and preferably to have that little button that you push to make the bubbles come out. Whenever I went on holidays before having children, my wife Cherif tried to make me go in the pool and I would sort of very slowly dip one toe in and then the foot and then gradually build up to the legs and very, very, very gradually build up the courage to go under the water. But now that we have children, that slow, steady approach is no longer viable. You see, my oldest daughter, Ada, she seems to be totally immune to cold water. And so this past summer, whenever we were on holidays, I found myself having to plunge straight into the pool after her because her limited floating ability did not allow me time to slowly dip in and acclimatize. I had to go all in. And I believe that's the message that God has for us this morning. As we approach a new year, friends, I believe the message he's put on my heart to share with us this morning is that 2024 needs to be a year in which we go all in. No more dipping toes in the water. No more sitting back on the the pool loungers, watching as everyone else gets in. It's time for all of us to go all in. And I'm going to anchor our thoughts this morning in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 27 and 57 to 61. But before I read, would you join me in praying over the message? Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. Pray that as we read this word, you would bless the hearing of it. Pray that the thoughts that I share would be your thoughts and not my own, and that you would speak to your church this morning. Amen. Starting in verse 23, and he said to all, this is Jesus speaking, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you the truth, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And then skipping down to verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests So this morning, we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus. You see, following Jesus is a much deeper commitment than just a one-time decision you make. It's not a passive following the way you might follow someone on Twitter or X or whatever Elon's calling it this week. Following Jesus is meant to be a daily, ongoing, active process of becoming more and more like Jesus. You might hear people refer to it as discipleship or spiritual formation or apprenticing Jesus. Whatever label you put on it isn't really important. What's important is that you're actively involved in the process. You see, the life of a Christian isn't just one of sitting back and waiting for heaven. Jesus calls all of us to go out, discover a difference, discover a purpose and make a difference in the here and now. You see, Jesus isn't calling us to spend our life acquiring Bible trivia knowledge in order to pass a test or to rack up enough church attendance loyalty points to be able to redeem for a free eternity stay in heaven. We're called to master the art of living in God's world by learning from Jesus' followers, walking alongside Him in that posture of listening, learning, observation, obedience, and imitation. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a plan that I can get on board for, with 20, that I can get on board with for 2024. And helpfully, as a church, we have several things lined up to help you take a step forward in that journey in the year ahead. We have Alpha to help you explore more about what it means to follow Jesus. We have prayer and fasting in January to help you better listen to the words of God. We have the Freedom Course and groups to help in that process of moving from observation to obedience and imitation. So how about this year, rather than the same old boring resolutions about weight loss and decluttering that you're gonna forget by the end of January anyway, how about we simply resolve in 2024 to follow Jesus in a greater way than we had before? Now, maybe listening to that scripture passage, you're wondering how it relates to you. Perhaps you made a decision once to follow Jesus. Maybe you raised a hand or filled in a connection card and you think that's you sorted. But what this passage shows us is that there's much, much more to following Jesus than just a one-time commitment. You see, we must not treat salvation as merely a fire insurance policy to be taken out and then forgotten about until we need to redeem it at death. Jesus is calling us to full and total surrender with all of our lives, And I'm going to try and unpack a bit more of what that looks like today in the here and now. You see, this passage, it sounds a bit harsh when you first look at it, uh, but it's not as harsh as it appears. On the face of it, Jesus seems to be calling one of the followers in particular to something particularly harsh. He seems to be telling them that they need to ditch their father's funeral, forgo the wake, abandon their grieving relatives, and instead go out evangelizing. It seems exceedingly harsh. It seems like Jesus is asking far too much, especially in a Northern Irish culture where we like our wakes. But in order to understand why it isn't as harsh as it seems, we need to understand a little bit of the Jewish culture. You see, in first century Jewish culture, if you had a relative who was sick and on their deathbed, you stayed with them, you didn't leave, you were there to, to be with them in their final days and to make all the arrangements for the funeral. So, for that potential follower to be with Jesus at that moment, It suggested that his father hadn't recently died. Indeed, his father probably wasn't sick or, indeed, anywhere near death. The reality of what that person was saying was I want to follow you, but not just yet. Maybe some stage in the future, way, way off, once my relatives have all died. You see, maybe they were afraid of how their father would respond if they told them that they'd abandoned the traditional up. that they weren't going to go into the carpentry or the fishing business, but instead were going to follow Jesus. And maybe that's a position that you can relate to today. Perhaps even today there's family members that you haven't told that you're following Jesus because you're afraid of how they will respond. Possibly the way you were brought up makes you worried that your family will think you're crazy if you tell them that you have an actual personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe there's decisions that you feel God's calling you to make that you're putting off as you fear it will bring scorn from your friends if you turn down the opportunity to advance in your career because it will impair your ability to serve in church. So the first area I want to hone in on this morning is to look at the excuses people gave when Jesus invited them to follow him. One person wasn't prepared to leave their home. They valued personal comfort and security. As we've already touched on, one person gave the excuse of being too concerned about what their family would think and one person said they just wanted to go and say goodbye and give the land one last plow. Another time later in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 14, Jesus shares a parable about some other people that he called to follow him. And in that parable, someone gives the excuse that they'd just got a new field they want to look at. Another says he's just got a new oxen that he needs to examine. And a final potential follower says that they've just got married and they plan on being busy. And in neither Luke 9 or Luke 14 do we get the names of any of those people. And I think that's intentional because it could so easily be all of us. Likewise, in the passage that we're focusing on in Luke chapter nine, we don't get told how the individuals respond. We don't know if they accept and embrace the call from Jesus or if they do go back to their their house or their family. And I think that's significant too because we each need to decide for ourselves how we're going to respond to the invitation from Jesus to follow him. You see, he gives each of us a personal invitation And that requires a personal response. You can't rely on the fact that your parents were Christians or that you attend church with other Christians. We each need to personally respond to that invitation of follow me from Jesus. We're all experts, aren't we, in making excuses, in trying to put off whatever Jesus tries to call us to do. It never ceases to amaze me how many things I can find around the house to do purely whenever I'm meant to be preparing a message or getting ready for our small group or how I can be justifying myself in my mind as saying I'm I'm too tired to do a quiet time, but yet I'm awake enough to scroll through Instagram. We all have our own excuses. Maybe this week you've been too busy playing with the new gadgets you got for Christmas to have time to pray. And by the way, if you got a new phone and you set up the Tinder app before the Bible app, you need to go to the prayer team at the end of the message, possibly even right now. But whenever we look at the root of all the excuses that the people gave in Luke chapter 9, the root issue that prevented them from following Jesus was comfort. They wanted the comfort that came from having a house, a family, and a degree of personal wealth. They were prioritizing their own personal present comfort over the eternal comfort of the people that they could have impacted had they surrendered to the plans Jesus had for them. And it can be the same for us. The world around us values comfort and convenience. We do all that we can to remove friction and make life more pleasant. And yet, Jesus warns us that whenever we follow Him, it isn't going to be all plain sailing. He calls us to count the cost. He's calling us to set realistic expectations, that we need to daily take up our cross. There are going to be struggles, there will be sufferings. Maybe for some of us, that's an all-too-present reality at the moment. We need to expect that there will be challenges along the way because if we set out thinking that everything's going to be sweet once we put our trust in Jesus then the moment the first wave comes our faith is going to be shaken you see life won't always be a breeze but Jesus invites us to navigate the storms with him he's not promising us a storm-free life but he's assuring us of his guidance through them you see in this passage Jesus calls us to total surrender to be all in fully abandoned to his ways Jesus can't share our affections with anyone or anything, for there's nothing that can compare to him. He's worthy of our all. We have to give him all the glory. Our identity as followers of Jesus has to stand above any other identity or role that we have in life. My daughter, Ada, she loves to play this pretend cafe game where she gets a little notebook. She comes over to me. She says, hello, welcome to Hollyberry Cafe. What would you like? Which is a sign to me that my wife's been taking her there far too much on her maternity leave. <laughs> I make my order. Ada usually tells me I want something completely different. She goes off to her play kitchen and makes the food. But when she brings it to me, it's, it's all plastic and hollow. There's no real subs- substance to it. It doesn't sustain you. And whenever we're half-hearted about our faith, it can be somewhat like that. Like we're playing religious games, coming to church every few weeks, reading the Bible every now and again, praying whenever a crisis comes up, and yet no fruit comes from it. You see, Jesus hasn't called us to a life of playing games, of dipping our toe in the water. He's not called us to be plastic, hollow Christians who look shiny on the outside but have no real sustaining faith on the inside. He's called us to follow him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. He's called us to make a difference in the world around us, to be a light to the world, to bear good fruit. You see, the danger that comes whenever we don't go all in is that then we won't have deep roots. And that means that when the storms do come, there'll be nothing to sustain us nothing to hold us secure but whenever we do go all in the holy spirit gives us that strength to endure on the darkest days and jesus makes it clear that there will be dark days unfortunately he warns the first potential follower in luke chapter 9 that there may be days when he's left homeless if he decides to follow jesus now it may not be that you get called to be homeless but perhaps god would call you to move into a neighborhood that you wouldn't necessarily have picked to be a witness to the people in that street He might call you to forsake the more comfortable and secure postcodes like BT9 for the sake of the kingdom. He'll definitely call you to experience the discomfort of loving, difficult people, people who you have to pray a little bit harder to be around. If you're sitting beside them, don't give them a nudge right now. Jesus does not promise us a life of earthly comfort, indeed He he tells us to count the cost, but what He does promise is a life of eternal security. So we need to stop making excuses. If we're to follow jesus more fully in 2024 we have to have a sacrificial attitude because time is short hell is real and souls are at stake there's so little time and we have such great news to share so now we need to look at what it means for us to stop making excuses what does it mean to deny ourselves to take up our crosses daily and to follow jesus if it's okay with you i want to share a quick history lesson even if it's not okay i'm going to share it anyway I've always been fascinated with history. It really frustrates Sheriff whenever we go on holidays. She wants to hit the beach and I've planned out a whole itinerary of all the local landmarks and monuments that we need to go and visit. And obviously, anytime there's a plaque giving any of the history, I need to read that too. We had one holiday in Palma where she thought she was getting off lightly because they didn't have English translations on any of the signs, but the Google Translate app soon solved that. So for today's history lesson, I want to quickly consider the 19. 19- The 1519 Spanish Invasion of Mexico. So for anyone not familiar with that, it was led by Hernan Quartz. And I don't know how good your geography is, but between Spain and Mexico, there's a lot of water, about 6,000 nautical miles. And in 1519, the only way that you were going to get across that was by boat. So Hernan rocked up to Mexico with 600 of his finest fighting men in 11 boats. But when he got there, there was a bit of a problem. You see, his soldiers were no longer as up for the fight as he was. They had had second thoughts on that long journey across the ocean and they were thinking of maybe going back home, back to the comfort of Spain. So Hernan took some drastic action. He went down to the harbor where his army's boats were and then he did something unconventional. He set fire to his own ships, and unfortunately for his army their boats weren't made of material that had passed Amazon's child safety anti-fire regulations. They didn't just char a little bit, they completely burnt, leaving his army and himself no option of retreat. The only way for them to go was to go onwards, into battle. They couldn't go back to the old ways in Spain. They had to go all in with Mexico. Their escape route was gone. Now all they could do was go all in with the invasion wasn't sure if I could pull that illustration off or if it would be too much of a fire risk, but then I remembered, Pastor feels away on holidays. If it went wrong, I could have escaped the country before he could get back across Europe. But maybe there's a lesson there for us spiritually. Whenever we follow Jesus, we need to burn the ships too. We need to deny ourselves. We need to make a total break from our past. We need to set fire to anything that comes between us and our relationship with Him. We need to burn the excuses. We need to set fire to those things that hold us back from living out the purpose God has designed us for. We need to stop retreating back to the same harmful habits and patterns we've always turned to when life gets tough. We have to move onwards. We have to go all in as followers of Jesus. We need to keep trusting him, surrendering fully to him and him alone. You see, one of the potential followers in Luke 9 wanted to go back to their family to plow the land a little bit more and harvest some food And the things that we can be tempted to go back to aren't necessarily bad things, they're not necessarily sinful things, there's nothing wrong with family or work, but they aren't the ultimate thing. There's a greater purpose that Jesus is calling each of us to, and He has to be the center of our lives. Now, you might be thinking, it's all well and good, it's easy for me to stand on stage and burn a little wooden boat. Burning the ships that we struggle with day and daily is much harder. Maybe you're wrestling with addiction to substances or illicit websites. Perhaps you're on that career treadmill, constantly revising for exams, trying to get the next pay rise. Maybe you have a sports team that you have to watch every week. Although if you're a Man United fan, maybe at the moment you're looking for any excuse to avoid watching them for a few weeks. Trust me, I fully get it. Burning ships is not easy. But the good news is that we don't have to do it alone. You see, The writer of Hebrews reminds us that we worship the God who is a consuming fire. We don't need to burn the ships by ourselves. We need to surrender fully to Jesus as Lord and let him set fire to our ships for us. You see, we don't break habits by willpower and simply trying to avoid those things that we want to avoid. We break habits by replacing them with something greater. We replace them with the hope, the joy, and the acceptance that we find in Jesus. The life of following Jesus is one where we daily must take up our crosses and deny ourselves. It's a daily decision. You see, we have to daily burn the ships because each day new boats will arrive in the harbor to tempt us. Each day there's going to be new tests, new things that come to distract us. And so we must resolve daily to fix our eyes on Jesus, the only one who's never going to fail us. And here's an interesting thing that happens when we burn ships. If any of you share my passion for burning things, I know Stephen, Graham and Nathan, they're both pyromaniacs. Any others in the room? You'll know that whenever you have a fire at night, it gives off quite a bright light that can travel far. And light from fire attracts people. You only need to look at the crowds that gather in Edenderry and Corcoran in July each year to see that that's true. And whenever we burn the ships of sin in our life, that can become attractive to people too. Whenever people see that change in us, as they see how different our life looks when we live on purpose, with a purpose, surrendered to Jesus rather than chasing the next high, it's likely that they're going to want to know more about that too. They're going to want to know why we're living so differently to the world around us. They're going to want to know where we find that strength to break the chains of addiction, jealousy, shame, lust, or whatever it was that you once found yourself held captive by, which gives us a great opportunity to tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus. Which brings me to my next point, Jesus must have supremacy in all things, in all areas, in all of our life. You see, sometimes people object to the teachings of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the God who gives us perfect freedom, hope and joy. Are you prepared to turn your back on his offer of life in all its fullness because you aren't prepared to burn a few ships? Will you be like the potential disciples in Luke 14 who passed on the offer of eternal life because they'd chosen to make something else in their life supreme? see, the thing is, Jesus doesn't come into our life like a a supplement, like a vitamin that we take to compensate for a bad diet. When we're following Jesus, when we invite him into our life, it's all or nothing. May there be no part of our life that we point to and say, Jesus, not that. I don't know if you know much about the Knights Templar. They were one of the most skilled fighting units in the Crusades. They famously wore white with a, a red cross to symbolize their willingness to die as martyrs. That devotion to their cause, along with their skilled training and the high level of weaponry they had relative to the the people that they were fighting, made them one of the most feared combat forces in medieval times. Legend has it, and I read it on the internet, so it must be true, that before they went into battle, they would get baptized, and whenever they got baptized, they would do something a little bit strange. They would take their sword in one hand and hold it high above the baptismal waters. And what they were doing in that act was they were symbolizing that they would surrender all to Jesus apart from the sword, because they knew that what the sword was going to be used for was not going to be honoring to Jesus. And it got me thinking that often we can have a very similar mindset. Now don't get me wrong, I don't have a sword, I don't go off on recreational weekend crusades, you don't need to worry about that. We might not be so blatant as to hold it above the water if you have signed up for the baptism services that are coming up in the new year, but often there's something that we try to hold on to, isn't there? Often there's some area of our life that we don't want to surrender, some area where we'd rather not go all in, where we'd prefer to stay in control ourselves. And if you're in denial, usually your bank statements will very quickly reveal what that is. There's a hymn that used to be sung in the church that I grew up in, and the chorus went like this, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all, And at times I struggled to sing it, not just because of my lack of musical ability, but because if I was being honest, a more truthful version would have been, I surrender some. But if we embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, then we can't pick and choose. We can't just have Jesus as Savior. He has to also be Lord of all. We must surrender all areas of our life to his leadership. You see, when we surrender fully to following Jesus, it's not about following a a set of rules and regulations. It's about following the living, risen Jesus, walking in his ways, imitating his example, keeping our eyes fixed on him, and having the features and traits of his character become imprinted on us and reflected out in our day-to-day life. You see, at Christmas, we remembered how Jesus became human like us, but we have to also remember that the invitation from Jesus to follow him is an invitation for us to spend our lives becoming like him. You see, the message of the gospel isn't just about what Jesus has done for us on the cross, but it's also about what He has done, is doing, and will do in us as we daily follow Him as disciples. You see, we can go all in because we follow the example of the Savior who first went all in for us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus didn't make excuses. He didn't try to put it off. On the cross, He didn't just dip a toe in the water. He went all in, giving His all, giving up His life to pay the price to set us free, to cover the debt of our sin, because our rebellious nature left us cut off from God. But because Jesus went all in on the cross, now we can be restored into that relationship with God as our Father, a relationship that will last unbroken for all eternity. We have to heed that warning that Jesus gave to the potential follower who wanted to say farewell to his family and was told, no one who puts his hand back to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if many of you have done much plowing, But whenever you plow, if you try to plow whilst looking backwards, it'll likely result in a crooked furrow. You're going to get wonky if you're not looking and focused on where you're going. Ploughing requires full concentration, and it's the same with following Jesus. He requires all of our attention and devotion. It's impossible to follow Jesus with a divided heart. In the words of the almost definitely not-a-theologian John Mayer, half of my heart won't do. So here's the big take-home that I want you to remember this morning. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to going all-in and surrendering fully to His ways, we can't lose. You see, we believe in eternal life. This time that we have on Earth is but a fleeting vapor in comparison to eternity. And whilst many people choose to focus on maximizing pleasure during their few brief years on Earth, we have a different perspective. We know that eternity awaits, and our priority on Earth shouldn't be momentary pleasures, but living in such a way as to represent Jesus well, so that those around us can come to know God too and find the hope of eternal freedom for themselves. The missionary Jim Elliott puts it like this, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It makes for a nice quote, but whenever you know the backstory of Jim Elliot, it takes on a whole new significance. You see, Jim Elliot didn't just stand comfortably on a stage like me sharing that quote. He really lived it out. That quote comes from his journal on the 20th of October, 1949. Jim spent 1950 and 1951 preparing, and in 1952, he left America to become a missionary in Ecuador, attempting to minister to the savage Huarani people. He and four companions spent several years trying to build up a relationship with them, flying over their settlements in an airplane, dropping down gifts and using a loudspeaker to attempt to share with them about Jesus. They thought they were making good progress, so on the 8th of January 1956, they set out to visit in person rather than from the aeroplane. However, whenever they arrived, a group of Hurani warriors attacked and killed them. Jim Elliott surrendered all, giving up his life in his efforts to share the gospel. And two years later, his wife Elizabeth went as a missionary to that same tribe, and this time she was well received. Many became Christians. And something about her willingness to return and share the gospel even after her husband had been killed clearly resonated with the locals it testified to them of her belief that there was something greater than anything that can be gained on earth and that thing is jesus the apostle paul puts it like this in philippians 3 verse 8 i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for his sake i have suffered the loss of all things in order that I may gain Christ." The word translated as rubbish is the word skabala, which, if you know your ancient Greek, you'll know is actually quite a sanitized translation. It refers to a very specific type of rubbish, the type of rubbish you would find most commonly in the dog waste bin. And that's the image Paul uses to reflect all that we could hope to gain in this world when we compare it to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. No matter what ships you need to burn, No matter what old habits you need to leave behind as we start a new year, be assured that Jesus is greater. Christ's rewards far outweigh anything lost by following him. All that we must sacrifice is merely dog waste compared to Jesus. Maybe you aren't yet convinced, so the challenge I want to give you as we start a new year is to simply try it out, to taste and see that the Lord is good, seek out encounters with Jesus through worship, through prayer, through coming to Alpha, through joining a group, and come and see if you come to realize for yourself that surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. You see, the good news is that we don't have to do it in our own strength. If the takeaway from this message was that in 2024, we have to try harder and push ourselves to sacrifice more, that would be a pretty harrowing and pretty disappointing thought, wouldn't it? But the good news is we don't have to strive to achieve it by our own power because whenever we try to do it by ourselves, we may start out okay, but will very soon run out of steam. Think of the example of the disciple Peter. He stands out to me as a, a great example of someone who tried to go all in by himself. He tried to walk on the water and very quickly sank. He kept doing rash things that showed he'd totally missed what Jesus was trying to teach him. He was making plans to live a on a mountain in a tent for the rest of his life. He started flinging a sword around, chopping off soldiers ears, and he'd been with Jesus for three years at that point. If you're in one of our small groups for three years and you're still performing unlicensed ear surgery on people who offend you, we're gonna have words with your group leader. And yet, despite those failures and mishaps, we see Peter became the rock on which the church was built. We see him becoming the one who preached a sermon that resulted in 3,000 people being saved. So what changed? You see, the big shift was that Peter went from trying to do it in his own strength to being filled by the Holy Spirit and going all in with the help and power that came with that. And that's the power is available to all of us today if we've put our faith in Jesus. As we bring things to a close, I'm reminded of a great quote from C.S. Lewis. He once said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased." Maybe, if like me, you've got children, you saw that in action a few days ago on Christmas morning. You spent huge amounts of money on presents and all your child was interested in was either the cheap plastic tack you got from Timu as a stocking filler or maybe even just the wrapping paper or the box. Often at Christmas, children can be far too easily pleased because they don't realize just how much fun they could be having if they played with the new Lego set, which their dad definitely got for them and not himself. Today is New Year's Eve. Drink, sex and ambition sound like a lot of people's plans for the evening. Maybe it's what you're planning for later as we head towards midnight, but my prayer is that 2024 would be the year when we resolve to stop being satisfied by mud pies and lift our gaze higher, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the one who's worthy of our all, the one who's far greater than any ship that we may need to burn. Take up his offer of the holiday at the sea, life in all of its fullness, the life in which you find the one treasure of surpassing worth, the life in which you surrender all and follow Jesus in all aspects. Let this be a year when, rather than being half-hearted, You follow jesus with your whole heart so friends as we wrap things up i want to encourage you to think today how you need to respond not how the person sitting next to you needs to respond but how you need to respond we stand on the brink of a new year a fresh start what do you need to do differently to go all in for god in 2024 what ships do you need to burn what area of life do you need to stop holding above the baptismal waters and instead surrender it over to jesus Maybe this year you need to go all in with church in order to better listen, learn, and observe what it means to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you to come regularly and to get into a group where you can start to live out what you're learning as you imitate fellow believers who are maybe a few steps further along the journey than you. Maybe as you seek to go all in this year, you need to share your faith more, embracing those conversations where you have the chance to talk about what God's been doing in your life rather than rushing to change the subject. Could it be that there's someone that God's putting on your heart, even right now, that you need to invite to Alpha, for example? Perhaps this year you need to step out of your comfort zone in serving God, either through the compassion team, or through the Serve Day group, or even through starting a project of your own. Or maybe, as you've been listening, you felt convicted that you've been making excuses yourself, that you've been putting it off, and you've never actually personally surrendered to Jesus yourself. What better day than today? I want to give us an opportunity for anyone here this morning who needs to receive that gift of eternal life. Maybe today is the day to take that step for yourself and to resolve to burn the ships of your past and become a disciple of Jesus. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life And you'd love to help us reach others. You can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Aria Church podcast.